fans, for Kansas City fans. My name's Reason, alongside my good friend Armando. We got a lot to talk about this week. A lot of healing that needs to go on after the last two weeks of physical and emotional abuse our Kansas City Chiefs have put us through. It's been a, uh, it's been very shady. Like Shady McCoy, bad Shady, and, you know, eclipse levels of shade going <laughs> Drop on. fumbles and everything, oh. Shady McCoy. Yeah, the spirit of Shady McCoy is on this team. You know, it's, it's great. No, it's, it's fantastic. It's fine. Armando, how are you doing? I don't even care. How are you doing? You know, let's let's take the Chiefs game out of it. I'm having a good time here in Stonington, Connecticut. We open up our, our show of Carmen next Friday. Uh, really beautiful place there in Stonington. You know that uh, Taylor Swift only lives a couple miles away from where I'm staying right now? Are you serious? Like her home is there or like one of her homes is there? Probably one of her homes, but she she bought one of the castles that is like off of the beach here in Stonington, Connecticut. That was like, this is like where the Vanderbilts had lived and like all these, you know, really famous people had lived. So yeah, Taylor Swift lives pretty close by. She even wrote a song about this place that I'm staying at. I've got um, a castle, which is pretty cool. I'm just waiting for my prince. <laughs> Something like that. Ladies and gentlemen, not only is Referees a professional podcaster, but he is also a Taylor Swift impersonator. You heard it here first. Breaking news, Fountain City Sports Media. Absolutely. You should go check it out. I got a show in Branson. I do three shows a month. It's great. Residency. You, you, you actually sounded more like like a South Park impersonation of something. I am Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. Well, I'm glad we started with some levity because it's about to get really dark. Yeah, about to get really dark. Starting with my fantasy team, not our fantasy team, but my work league fantasy team. I went into this, which is even darker than our 0 and 3 fantasy team. No, but right now I'm pretty frustrated because I'm one and one. And I would have won last week, I think, had I not played the dude that scored, like, highest in the league that week. But this week, I come in playing the current last place team. Christian McCaffrey gets his leg all busted up six points into his game, so I'm already down 19. And then in this game, I just need Jalen Hurts to outscore Devonta Smith. So I got Jalen Hurts plus six going up against Devonta Smith. My lead is now down to, let's see if I can do math here, uh, two point. 1-1 one, one, because Jalen Hurts is the worst freaking quarterback on the face of the earth. How is Devonta <laughs> Smith outscoring Jalen Hurts 4.4 to 1.9 right now? I'm just watching this like drip slowly. It's like water torture. Wait, are you serious? He has 1.9 points? He has 1.9 points. He's an idiot. Oh my god. He, he has one interception and like over 100 yards, but no touchdown passes, so he's at 1.9 oh, no. points. Devonta Smith, because the stupid system where... Dude, Zeke is going off, though. Yeah, which is great, but it's frustrating because we're still, we're still losing that match in... Well, I mean, we're, we were we were going to lose the match anyway. He put our, our The guy that we're facing has 137 points, 25 from Kirk Cousins, 15 from Keenan Allen, which we'll talk about right now. He picked up our Jacoby Myers for 14 points, which no one saw coming. And then DeAndre Swift, 20 points. Oh, and Denver D, 17 points. Uh, Yeah, but you know who got us a nice big old 17 this week in fantasy football? Your guy, opera singer Justin Tucker. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yes. Oh, Maria. Oh. I, 
no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm taking I'm taking this to court. I can kick PATs to a better clip than he can sing opera. End of discussion. I don't know, man. I don't know, buddy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's he's. It's it's not it's not a bad sound. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard I've heard worse sounds that are making actual money. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll concede that point to you absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Uh, so expect me to chime in every now and again through this episode with updates on my work fantasy team and seeing if I can hold on to this. Oh, excuse me. Uh, now it is three, no, two point eight eight point lead. I have a two point eight eight point lead because. Jalen Hurts is now up to 2.6 points. Thank you, Jalen. Appreciate it. Well, you know, our, our fantasy team is kind of like the Chiefs, where like one part of it didn't work, and then all of a sudden it starts working and it's like amazing. And then the parts that we thought were amazing are now not working anymore. Like, like we thought that Jalen Hurts was going to be great because he's been great for the past two weeks. We didn't know if Zeke was going to be good or Austin Eckler, and now they're both like what we thought they were when we drafted them. Well, we... But now, TJ Hawkinson got two points for us this week, Jalen Hurts 2.6, and, and Devontae Smith 3.4. And then Brandon IU comes out of nowhere and's like, oh, I can play football. And he scores a touchdown, but he's on the bench. Dude, of course he is. Now, that, that's how you know that Kelsey's just like a different level than all these other tight ends because you'll still see games every now and then when like Waller has like six points. And it's like, how does a player like Waller have six points? But you never see Kelsey scoring Kelsey under like never. 12. Yep. Like, period. Yep. Never. Never. And, and that's the thing. Like, the, the, the Ravens did double cover TJ just like they did Kelsey, but Kelsey can still break four or five tackles like we saw last week. It's very true. It's very true. So while I'm all hot and bothered, emphasis on hot and emphasis on bothered, uh, Armando, the Kansas City Chiefs have dropped two games in a row now after the heartbreaking fumble to the Baltimore Ravens last week leading to their demise. This week, an ill-timed interception leading to some pretty poor officiating in the last two minutes led to the Chiefs dropping a 30-24 decision to the San Diego Chargers. So... I got a big question for you on here. This is very open ended. I don't. This is we're playing Mass Effect right now. However, you answer this question is just going to dictate the direction we go. So, my question to you: Why did we lose? Oh boy! I mean, how much how much time do we have, Reese? Plenty I mean, of time. this is. Well, and, and again, I I jinxed myself this week because what did I say last week, Reese? I said Patrick Mahomes has never lost a game for us. I was like, we always lose because of other things, but Patrick Mahomes has never lost a game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the first time that I say that, Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately, has to get some of the blame. Maybe he's not 100% of the blame, but three turnovers, two of them which were his own right, I mean one really his own in the fourth quarter when he throws into triple coverage to Kelsey, but I mean two interceptions, we have to put some of the blame on Pat for this game, unfortunately, unfortunately, or you know what, maybe not Pat, but just blanketed for the offense. Right, the offense is rarely the reason why we lose. But you're not going to beat the Chargers, no matter who is at quarterback for the Chargers, no matter what their record is. They're our rival, and you can't have three turnovers against the Los Angeles Chargers. So it was really heartbreaking to see Pat again two weeks in a row. When was the last time you saw Patrick Mahomes throw two boneheaded interceptions? 
back to back. So so that I, I think that was inexcusable that we have to put some blame on Pat. And Pat had said, look, when I saw him going, he knows Travis Kelsey knows that when I reset, then he knows to come in instead of going out on the route, which is kind of cool. I don't know why Patrick Mahomes gave that away because that's actually some pretty good information. So whenever he's in the pocket, he decides to reset. Travis Kelsey knows to then curl inside and then um, Patrick is going to throw a shorter pass. Unfortunately, Travis didn't see it in time and he also reset, which then causes the interception, um, which I, I guess is a good explanation for the INT, but it's still an INT and it's still triple coverage pass. So, okay, that's that that's point number one. I think that's big number one. The offense just didn't get it together. I mean, that it was a rare outing for the offense just being shellacked. Well, I hate to add nope. insult to injury on there, but the offense actually allowed four turnovers on the day. Oh gosh! Yep. I oh, four man. baby. Wait, wait. So sorry, I don't have it in front of me. Patrick Mahomes had three interceptions. Patrick Mahomes had two interceptions. He had the one that hit Kemp right in the hands, and Kemp, being a special teams player, right. just tip drilled it to somebody. Tyreek Hill right. then may or may not have fumbled that catch, which I personally don't think he had established control eh. of the ball yet. But they called it a fumble, and then Clyde Edwards-Helaire fumbled again, and then Pat threw the fourth quarter interception. Right. All right. Okay. Well, actually, to to go back to the to the to the Kemp interception, I was just I, I may have texted you, but I I was texting at how great Patrick Mahomes is sharing the football because before the Marcus Kemp pass, he had passed it to Fortson, a beautiful pass, and he had passed it to Blake Bell, and you and I had talked about this four tight end set that we thought we'd see at some point and we were finally seeing the like infancy of it on this first quarter and I was like I was like oh my goodness like if Pat can get Fortson, Kemp, Bell all involved in the offense there is no stopping this offense and then of course right before I text it Marcus Kemp just like juggles that ball and then Asante Samuel comes from San Diego Chargers Stadium in San Diego and catches that interception I was like where the hell hell was this guy coming from so i mean just just a just an awful and dumb luck I, i'm gonna chalk that up as a dumb luck play i mean um but still inexcusable um but also like come on whatever um the second thing i, I want to say is doo-doo one and doo-doo oh two have returned and they weren't even on the field doo-doo uh, mike williams mike freaking williams I got to say, as much crap as I've given him in the past, he's an incredibly underrated wide receiver, and he made us look like Doodoo 1 and Doodoo 2. My cues look like Doodoo 1, and even Legereus Sneed looked like Doodoo 2 yesterday, and that was really disappointing. So I think number two big reason, Reese, cornerbacks, because the D-line was great. I mean, they, I mean, they weren't perfect, but they were much improved, much improved from last week. Um, but you got to chuck that one up, point one, offense, point two, cornerbacks look like Doodoo. Well, Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to debate you on the topic of our defensive line looking better. I think the the pass rush, let me phrase. I think the run defense looked better as was evidenced by holding Austin Eckler and the Chargers to what was it, 77 yards on the game. Did not see that coming. However, I I can't fathom why we can't generate any pressure on the quarterback ever. We had one sack in that game. 
I believe Mike Dana had that aggressive double chase down of Justin Herbert, which was fantastic. But, I mean, other than that, we can't get pressure on the quarterback ever. I mean, I, I know we don't have a Joey Bosa on our team that can just, like, you know, wreck the edge, even though Frank Clark is, in theory, supposed to do that. But we, we just never get any pressure on the quarterback. They have all day to stand back there, wait for their progressions, find the most open guy or check down. Patrick doesn't have any of that. He, he doesn't. He really doesn't. So that's super unfortunate. But I'm going to say this. I think, even more so than the offense, the defense as a whole cost us that game. I don't know. I oh, look, look, Reese, it's inexcusable to have three turnovers on offense, though. I mean, it, you, you, we, we can't expect to win a game with three turnovers on off. Or sorry, four. I apologize. I keep forgetting. Four turnovers on offense, you, 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 you can't win a game like that. No, no matter how good... Um, Patrick Mahomes might look in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter or as good as maybe the defensive line is stopping the run. You can't win a game. I'm just going to say you can't win a game with four turnovers. So I don't know how that how that how is that not number one, Reese? Well, what what did you see from the defense that was that was so cataclysmic as like the Ravens game because I thought it did look improved other than the cornerback play yes we stopped the run yeah you're right we're, we're not we're not giving pressure on Herbert Herbert did look like he had four or five seconds of the pocket um, but Dana looked good uh, Chris Jones had some good stuff unfortunately Chris Jones kind of ate his words at the very very end but uh <laughs> But I don't know, man. That offense didn't look good. I was not happy. Here's my counter argument, though. We allowed four turnovers, and with two minutes left in the game, that game was still tied. So the offense did plenty of their part. Uh, the defense, on the other hand, is still 100% allowing scores anytime a team makes it to the red zone. They were eight for eight touchdowns going into this game. I believe they're not technically, uh, they've allowed one field goal in the red zone. So hats off to the defense for that. But this feels eerily similar to 20... Yeah, which was very impressive. This feels eerily similar to 2018 for me. Uh, the fact that I do not trust our team to stop them ever unless there's some sort of fumble or, you know, fluke interception or tip drill or something like that. And the fact that if we do get a stop, a penalty flag appears. And, you know, they say that it was a defensive holding or a PTI, which was the case with Sneed on that one play. Good night. But, no, I... I don't see any improvement in this defense from last week, as is evidenced by the fact that the new strategy for everybody is go for it on fourth down every time. They they believe, they're unless it's like fourth and 12, they're like, someone's going to get open. They're not going to generate pass rush. We'll just check it down and run a few yards. Like, we can convert this. What are we afraid of? Yeah, so I... I- uh, if if we if if the question was after three games what is the biggest weakness? Yes, absolutely, without question, it's the defense. It's that people are going for it on fourth down. I mean, come on, what other what other defense can you name? Or even flip it, even flip it. Would the Kansas City Chiefs in that situation go for it on fourth down against the Chargers? And my answer is even with Patrick Mahomes. They would not have gone for it on fourth down. So what does that tell you about the defense? I agree with you. It is our biggest weakness. And if if we make it to the AFC Championship on a prayer or we make it to the Super Bowl, at any point that we lose, I guarantee it's going to be because of the defense. But I think just for this game, you can't make those errors. You, you can't make those errors on offense. Um, and then leave it to the defense. That that's also another counter argument. You can't leave it to to, to to the defense to make a stop, even though they're making stops in the red zone. Um, you 
you just can't have four. You just can't have four turnovers. Like it's just inexcusable. Even though some of our fluke plays, you know, Travis Kelsey fumbles, Ceh fumbles, Kemp does that, and then Patrick Mahomes is double covered. Like you just you just can't do that, man. And and the Chargers defense is good, but not that good. Yeah. And you can see that, just like you said to your argument. Patrick Mahomes still looked pretty cool despite the four turnovers. He thought he had a chance. And honestly, in that last drive, it was really just missed catches, right? Mm -hmm. Kelsey misses a catch, would have been a touchdown or would have been very close to a touchdown. And then Pringle misses a really beautiful, beautiful catch as well on that last drive as well. So, yeah, like Patrick Mahomes will always have his way with the defense. I agree with you. Um but the reason why we lost was the turnovers, and that's it. Dude, Pringle, you'll hear me. I am the biggest Pringle advocate on this show, but, man, he had two chances on eerily similar yeah, twice. passes. He had two of them, yep. Where, it's, it's, you could tell, it's like it's almost like he pulled back because he knew he was going to get hit, and he didn't want to get hit. And it's like, dude, you have to catch the ball and take that hit. Like, that's your job when you are the wide receiver, too, is to catch those passes and take that hit. Actually, I'm going to say something really quick because we're, since we're kind of on the defense and I want to stick with the defense, the only way I can see this defense improving in the next year or t- towards the playoffs is when we get Willie Gay. Well, we have to get Willie Gay back and he has to be 80%. We have to start Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton has shown me enough in three games that he is better than Sorensen. He's better than Neiman, right? We need to have him in with Anthony Hitchens and with Willie Gay. That's a really good linebacking core. But for some reason, we still have this vanity project of having Sorensen, having Ben Neiman play some places. Well, and it's just, it is inexcusable when we have three i mean these three games i'm i'm not trying to like tout our horn or to give any excuses but those are hard games browns ravens chargers that's a very hard three three and out that's why i'm not like and i'm sure we're gonna talk about panic meter but like for those games you can't go with these guys that can't tackle you can't go with the guys like you know you gotta play nick bolton you you gotta have him in these games because then if he gets a big tackle on tyson williams gets a big tackle like he did today on eckler that that forms a player that that transforms someone into being first team that's what happened with legerius sneed last year we we put him in first team and he had some great interceptions on defense right and that made him the player he is that made him an all rookie and we need to have the same thing with nick bolton we need to say buddy you're rolling with the first team because the playoffs is coming soon and we need that hard hitting what i don't get and you alluded to is the fact that daniel Sorensen is still getting over 80 percent of the snaps which at this point is absolutely inexcusable because I'm seeing people point out, well, he got the most tackles on the team yesterday. And it's like, well, he's getting the most. And 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 don't forget his huge his huge SWAT against Keenan well, Allen. They, they say he's getting the most tackles on the team. And the reason he's getting the most tackles on the team is because they're targeting him every play. They're like, where's Sorensen? I know I can get a ball in towards Sorensen. Yep, him, Anthony Hitchens. He's, yep. Yeah, he's right there to get the tackle. That's just how it works. Now, thankfully, Ben Neiman's percentage is going down. The writing on the wall is there for Ben Neiman. I think he's taking about 60% of the sa- uh, 60% of the snaps this season. The writing's on the wall for Ben Neiman because his percentage of snaps taken continues to decrease as the season goes on and once you like you said Willie Gay Jr comes back, it's like those are probably going to all but vanish. But what I don't get Gosh, is I hope. is in the meantime, why don't we plug Juan Thornhill into free safety and then take Neiman out? Where was he? Where I did I didn't see one play with Juan. Was he out? Twenty percent snaps. That's, that's all I can say. 
But what I'm saying is, why? If, you, if you love Sorensen so much, why don't you move Sorensen into Neiman's spot in linebacker? Because at least Sorensen likes to hit, and linebacker requires a little bit less speed. They're about the same size. You know, they're about 6'1", 215, give or take. I don't know. Look, I'm I'm, I'm telling you, like week 17, we better have Juan Thornhill playing playing with the starters. We better have Nick Bolton playing with the starters. We better have Willie Gay playing with the starters. We better have Frank Clark there, and he better not be dealing with whatever he's dealing with. I mean, look, we have playmakers, and we have ways to make this defense better. It's just not happening. So if we get all those guys week 17, maybe we are average. Again, we're just hoping to be average. I'm not even asking to be elite. Forget that talk I was saying in the preseason where I said the Chiefs were going to be a top 10 defense, dare I say elite. Forget all that. I just want them to be top 15. I just want them to be 16th. I just want them to be 17th, right? I just I just want you to get one interception. I just want you to get two sacks on the quarterback. That's all I'm asking for out of 100 drive, out of 100 plays. Get get two sacks. You know what I mean? Just inexcusable. I'm I'm fired up today, Reese. I'm fired up. Well, that's a good point. And the whole thing with the defensive line, it's like the entire thing is a trickle-down effect. Thank you, Ronald Reagan, because the defensive line needs to generate <laughs> that pass rush, and they are generating absolutely no pass rush. When we brought in Steve Spagnuolo three years ago, his big thing was, oh, you know, he's, he's great at getting pressure with four-man fronts and stunt blitzes. We haven't seen jack squat. This is the third year of allegedly having, like, a lot of depth at every position on the line. But we're not seeing anything. Now, at least Spags has the courtesy to say the Chris Jones experiment is not working. He's probably going to move him back to D-tackle full-time because, dude, uh, Chris Jones looks about as lost as Iowa playing defensive end right now. I, I kid you not. But, but like, look, these these are growing pains that maybe we just have to go through. Like, look, we're already 1-2. and two. We're, we're not trying to go 17-0. I mean, honestly, he he's our best chance at end. Like, who else is going to produce better than Chris Jones at end? So, actually, I would make the argument, let him have the growing pains. We're already 1-2. Like, I'm not hitting the panic meter that, that we're not a good team. We're still a very good team. We just had a really tough schedule. Let him figure it out. Like, good. We've, we, we've had him figure it out against some of the best rushing offenses in the NFL and yeah he didn't get it done that's fine but then during the middle of the season he's probably going to eat and let's let him eat and get that confidence up well speaking of confidence one thing that would help is that anytime we get a stop on third or fourth down the officials don't reach for their hankies immediately that game in my opinion let's hear it, referees this one's all you oh thank you so as I alluded to earlier the offense did not give us as I alluded to earlier, the offense did not cost us this game by allowing four turnovers. Because as I said, with two minutes left, this game was still knotted up 24-24. They did enough to keep up with the Chargers offense. The thing that killed us, and why I'm saying was the deciding factor in this game, is the fact that with two minutes left, when we finally did get a stop on a fourth down, all of a sudden, a phantom pass interference comes out of nowhere... Tony Romo says, oh, that's a bad call, and they don't even have the gall to show the replay. Now I've They been- don't even replay, and no one looks upset, and I'm like, what in the world? No one looks, not even the Chiefs look upset. Dude, so I will stand on my soapbox and put my tinfoil hat on and tell us to everybody who will listen. It is well known now that there is someone in New York watching, you know, every game broadcast, you know, just in case, because we've seen, you know, calls overturned and stuff like that because of New York. What I got out of this, 
was when Tony Romo said that's a bad call, and it did look like a bad call from the game speed footage, immediately someone from CBS or someone in New York was watching that CBS broadcast, saw the replay, got in the team at CBS's earpiece and said, under no circumstances can you show that replay or we're screwed. You know, they said, do not show that replay. There was no breaking pass. news. Fountain City Sports Media, Reese, the conspirator, CIA here. I, I'm dead serious, though. There was no pass interference there, and they didn't show the replay, and no footage has shown up in the last day and a half because they don't want people to see the replay of it. Now, the second biggest thing was on that Hail Mary, look, I'm sorry. I know it is said that, well, you know, they never call contact in Hail Marys. You know, it's just kind of a scrum, let them play, let them play. There's a difference between kind of jockeying for position and playing slap hands with each other, going up and playing the ball. A dude had Tyreek Hill in a rear-facing bear hug, plowing him backwards so he couldn't even make a jump. Travis Kelsey had more guys draped on him than snakes on Britney Spears' shoulders circa 2003. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And I sent you that tweet earlier today where uh, – Terry McCauley, who's one of the rules analysts for the NFL, comes in and says, I was never taught that you don't call pass interference on a Hail Mary. There is no situation where this is not pass interference. And it's so funny because everyone's like, yeah, but it's a Hail Mary. They they don't call it. He's like, see my prior tweet. We were never taught you don't call pass interference on a Hail Mary. So, Armando, what is your thought on the officiating in this game? Reese, I'm fired up, but you know what? I didn't. I I always try to be the guy that's like, all right, the refs are always going to be awful. We can always blame the refs. What is something that we can work on as a team? Which is why I blamed the offense, and because that's something we can clean up. We can't clean up the refs, but you know what? The refs were an absolute disaster. One of the worst refing experiences I have ever seen. In my young life, I could not believe the calls that were made. So the Hail Mary, of course. But let's talk about before the Hail Mary, right? Tyree Kill gets shoved to the ground before the Hail Mary had happened. And there was no pass interference call. Tony Romo, of course, goes, oh, well, well he was he he was also touching him. So so it, it kind of cancels itself out. No, no, no. Tyreek Hill was on the ground. He was on the ground after he had been shoved out. And the only reason why he had also contacted him was to kind of keep his footing together when there was a clear pass interference on that last drive. So I was totally upset about that. Also, before that had happened, Reese, we also had Legereus Sneed. Okay, awful for him to to tackle or to like put his hands on that on that guy on third and goal um, just before that it was it was uh it must have been two minutes 30 seconds left Legereus need puts his hands on Mike Williams I think that catch no matter what was uncatchable oh, for sure. and that would have been the game that would have been the game Reese there is no way he would have made that catch and then even though that happens I mean Chargers, Chargers run down the field. Those were two just, just blown plays by the refs, and clearly in the favor for the Chargers. And then, of course, the refs try to make it up by that illegal shift that mm-hmm. that Justin Herbert does with the offense. I mean, whatever, whatever. Awful calling by the refs. Huge reasons why we lost. And the only silver lining with these three games, Reese, is that really they were decided by very, very few plays. 
I mean, again, I'm still going to blame the offense. We can't turn over the ball, and I'll keep harping that. But look, literally in an alternate universe, you do this game again. There's only one play that needs to come back, right? Let's say that Sneed one or the pass interference or a CH fumble, a Tyreek fumble, right? Just one of those has to go away and the Chiefs win that game. The same goes with Baltimore. CH just doesn't have to fumble the ball and then that game's a completely different game. The Chiefs are 3-0. and um, Patrick Mahomes is undefeated in, in September and he's crowned the next Whatever you know what I mean. So, so these are very minuscule things that we're losing these games for, and the only um, the only concern is 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 that defense. So I think we're going to be fine. But awful, awful showing by the refs. Awful showing. My big thing is games just shouldn't be decided by officiating, which this one absolutely was when it came down to brass tacks. They tied 24-24. Reese wants the robots. Reese wants well, robots. If there's a way to get robot refs in there that will actually call these things correctly, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, there, If I could have some sort of like clockwork orange just like madman system where referees have like a non-lethal dose of shot collar on them where it's like, all right, here's the thing. You only throw a flag when you're certain. If you throw a flag where it's not actually a penalty, you're going to get, you know, like a five-volt shock. You know, so it's like... Reese, Reese, what is this Hunger Games? Jeez, calm down. I've said this on the podcast before. It's like, I think you would see penalties... Shock callers for the refs? You would see penalties drastically go down if it's like, you're going to get punished if you get this wrong. You would only see them throw flags for situations where it is clear and obvious that it's a penalty. You know, so they have not... You know... What? You know in Space Jam when uh, when Bugs Bunny tells MJ what their life is going to be like if they lose to the uh, the Amon Stars and then it goes in this montage of them like being like chained to the court shooting shooting hoops while like the like kids take pictures. Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I uh, like I am I I'm envisioning Reese's perfect NFL world where the refs are like chained to the court or chained to the field and if they miss a call then zap 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 My case in point being <laughs> they need to switch the way that they are training officials to have it be you only throw something when there is not a measure of a doubt that there is a penalty on there So that means if people are kind of jockeying for position on normal pass plays a little bit of bumping and shoving I'm sorry, not pass interference. They're playing. Now, if a guy straight up doesn't turn around like Legereus Sneed and just, you know, plows Mike Williams away, uncatchable ball, but yeah, that'd be an example of a time you throw a flag. Illegal shifts, offsides, false start, you got nothing to fear. Those are easy. They're cut and dry. But on things like holding, was the guy physically being restrained, either like being pulled backwards by his jersey or in a full Nelson or straight up tackled over? No? Okay, let him play. Pass interference. Did the guy get straight up NFL blitz tackled before the ball even showed up? Yes. Okay. Pass interference. I don't know. Did he kind of have a guy like tugging on his shoulder pad just a little bit? Just a little bit? Yeah. Well, guess what? Not pass interference. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to add to Reese's. You, 
uh, fantasy or u- utopia of NFL refing. Referees here, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? If you want the greatest content in the world, you have it right here. Referees has the plans for the future of the NFL. So if you'd love it, subscribe to our Patreon. Um, we also have a uh, $10,000 tier where you donate $10,000 and then re somehow like puts an earmark in some like legislation to then be in the Super Bowl and like we'll we'll get uh I, I don't know who the who the rep is in uh, in Kansas City but uh, we'll get like Quentin Lucas to uh to then uh we'll we'll uh, pay him 10 grand Reese will be referees at SoFi Stadium in the Super Bowl It's the beer review. And not only is this your favorite part of the podcast, but we're actually going to do a little uh, little nuance to it this uh, this month. Reese, do you have any fall traditions, actually? Anything you do in the fall with Noel or we, you and your family just to kind of get into the to the crisp, crisp air mood? It's never crisp in Kansas City in the fall. You know that. It's never. We go. We go. Still humid, and I still need to change my pants every every month. We go. We, we go apple picking in the ninety hour. degree weather every year. That's what we do. We're like, yay! It's <laughs> fall. Let's pick apples in the heat. That's fun though. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't have any traditions. I do, Reese. What do you do? I love me a pumpkin spice latte. Wait, really? Which, dude? I love. I love pumpkin spice lattes, especially from your alma mater, Starbucks. Oh my gosh, dude. PS well the PSLs changed so much there. The OG was I understand where people are coming from. The new stuff tastes like sunscreen in my opinion. Gross. Now that's all I'm gonna think about. No, I, I love super like sugary drinks like that. I I love sugar. So I love that stuff. I love apple picking, you know, when when the leaves change. Logan and I put on a nice Harry Potter, a nice Lord of the Rings, uh, nice spooky movies. There's also this new um I don't know if you watch the Netflix like Haunting of House Hill or Hill House. I've not seen but it. But there's a there's a there's a new one called Midnight Mass, which is supposed to be pretty crazy. So I'm looking forward to that too. Um, I have a lot of traditions. So so Reese and I have decided to bring some fall traditions to this podcast. And it starts with the beer review. So what we're gonna do, ladies and gentlemen, is during the month of October. Yeah, you guessed it. We are only going to drink Oktoberfest beers or Fest beers or Martzins, anything that has to do with Oktoberfest. So that's right, Reese. What is it called now? What is the beer reviews called now in October? It's called the Hunt for Red Oktoberfest. I asked him because I forgot what he said, but also I knew he would put some spin on it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you love Oktoberfest beers, go ahead and message us on Instagram at FountainCitySM, or why don't you email us, email us at FountainCitySM at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite Oktoberfest beer is, and maybe we can uh, review it on the pod, or have you review it on the pod, because we do love a good Oktoberfest beer. But before we do all that, Reese, why don't we review just another beer? I don't know if you're going to do Oktoberfest. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. What will you be reviewing today, referees? Well, as we have just crossed the threshold out of summer into fall, I figured it's time to do one last IPA for the season. 
And I grabbed one that I think won a GABF medal last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Holla Daily Brewing Company, Fat Randy's IPA. Big Henry. Oh, Big Henry. Okay. In my, in my defense, they're both corpulent individuals. Okay. They're part of the same series. <laughs> and and the next one is going to be Rotund Randy. Well, Rotund Randy sounds good or like Chonky Charlie or something. <laughs> I drink a Chonky Charlie milkshake IPA. Anyway, oh that sounds good. This is a, another gluten-free craft beer from Holla Daily that I'm excited to try because they do some good stuff, man. They do a, a, a wit beer that I could not believe it was not wit beer, and uh, you know this one's got water, millet, buckwheat, yeast, and hops. So let's go. Let's try her out. Let's go. It cracks like a beer. Got that hiss crack. We said the two-pronged approach. All right, so for those of you following at home, I again don't have my notes, but after last week, I think I memorized what these categories are. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise that the Wi-Fi is not working that great here. Um, okay, so the first category is going to be appearance. Reese, what does, what does that gluten-free beer look like? Does it look gluten-free? Well, for being an IPA, uh, this can be really interesting because it's hazy like a hazy, but it's dark the way that like a dark West Coast IPA would be. This is a, uh, a very interesting color for an IPA. I am not going to lie. Can, can you see this? Yeah, it kind of looks like like um, an Arnold Palmer. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I was gonna, yeah, it does look like an Arnold Palmer. Absolutely. That's, that's what it looks like. So, you know... It's kind of like seeing purple ketchup right now. This isn't the most appealing looking thing in my mind. Uh, not a whole lot of head retention on this. The head basically disappeared right away. I've got like a ring of foam and nothing else kind of going on. I uh, can't really see the carbonation in that muddy, muddy Mississippi water. So I'm going to say for appearance, I'm probably giving this thing a four and a half. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this is not. I, I don't want to chug this right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I guess Holiday is not known for their pretty beers. They are known for their good tasting beers, let's say. Okay, Reese, so hopefully the uh, the numbers will move up from here. So we had appearance. How about, um, uh, I was going to say smell. What is the smell on that beer? Smell? You mean the Walmart word for aroma? Okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> What is what is the aroma on that beer? Why well, I feel like I'm at Trader Joe's now. A lot of hop on this, and a lot, lot, lot of fruit. A little bit of like the hop dankiness, which is fine. A little bit of like a malty coffee note to it, which I find interesting. And lastly, a whole bunch of like kiwi and strawberry. So to be honest. It looks like a beaver, but it quacks like a duck, so it's kind of a platypus at the moment. I'm going to rate the aroma on this an 8.8. .8. All right. The smell slash aroma slash Trader Joe's is 8.8. .8. Now, for the category we've all been waiting for, the taste, or should I say the flavor? What is the flavor on this sweet, sweet IPA. You do, interestingly enough, get a lot of that 
roasted malt flavor I was smelling on the nose. So good on me. I'm not going crazy. But... That's really interesting. Very bitter, kind of in the tail end of the flavor. Not as much fruit in the beer flavor as I would have gotten from the aroma. But by and large, that's that's a good IPA. It doesn't taste like it's gluten-free. It doesn't taste like someone's, you know, like homebrew beer. Uh, I'm not raving about it. But I think it's at least a 7.5 for flavor. All right. 7.5 is pretty good. I'll take that. All right. So how is the mouthfeel now on the beer? I'm always curious if the mouthfeel for a gluten-free beer is going to be different. Because like you said, they're going for flavor, but gluten-free beers maybe aren't going for all these other categories. So is it really a stark difference? You know, I'd say mouthfeel. Well, let me, let me phrase this. Until I had ever looked at one of their beers in a glass, I would say mouthfeel was the only tell that you could see it was gluten-free. Like I said, no, I've not yet seen an IPA in nature that looks like this bad boy. But mouthfeel kind of follows suit. Again, I've had much worse mouthfeel beers where I'm like, oh my gosh, this just tastes like carbonated water or some random liquid in my mouth. This just tastes like a, a lighter-bodied IPA. The The carbonation kind of comes to the surface in your mouth, a little more sparkling. But the weight, the weight of the beer feels about right in the mouth, but it's more so like the density. Uh, you think it's going to be like, like juice, but it's a little bit more like a thin water, so to say. Is, is that making any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like, I, I kind of figure that... And I, I've had, I don't think I've had the IPA. I think I've only had the gold lager from Holla Daily, but that is a common trait that I felt as well. Like it didn't have a lot of full bodiness to it um, and that you did miss it. And I'm wondering if that's just the gluten in, in the beer and whether that is like the weight of a beer, you know? Yeah, I, I did have Chunky Charles, I think, or whatever their, their like regular pale ale is. <laughs> and that one was... That, that was the one we just made up. Oh, was it? Oh. No, I, I would say... I've had their hazy IPA before, which I told Noel, I'm like, if it weren't for the mouthfeel and I was doing a Pepsi challenge, I'm like, this tastes like Space Camper, but the mouthfeel is what gives it away. But this one is a better and more complete mouthfeel than that. So for that reason, this is a very long-winded way to say, uh, I think mouthfeel on this is probably another 7.4. All right, 7.4. Okay, well, I mean, these are, these are pretty good categories. Um, okay, and our penultimate category is aftertaste. Again, curious, is a gluten-free beer going to have a different taste or a different aftertaste than maybe a normal IPA? Because mostly it's pretty much the same going down. I mean, maybe you get some more like hop on the way down, but now is it a little different with a gluten-free? You know, it's kind of funny. I get a lot of pininess and a lot of grapefruit. Those are the two big flavors that come out on the aftertaste as opposed to, you know, the basic flavor profile of it. Uh, I don't get those coffee malt notes coming back up, which is fine. I'm not upset about that. Uh, yeah, I think this whole thing was designed just to be kind of a gluten-free version of a classic, you know, West Coast American IPA. And for that reason, aftertaste isn't offensive. I like bitter-backed IPAs. You know what? Heck yeah, I like bitter-backed IPAs. 8.9. Aftertaste, 8.9. Ooh, really turn around here. 
And last but not least, Reese, um, I'm failing to think of an acronym for it, but it's our ever-changing one, the BDQ. I'm sure you can think of one on the fly, hopefully. Um, Bring down Trying Quinn to think of Williams. a Chargers. Okay, perfect. <laughs> which, which, which we could not do. <laughs> Buster Douglas quits early. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm dissecting a beer here. <laughs> Sorry, I will. I will leave you back to our ever-changing category, BDQ. What do you rate it? Well, as I've said this whole time, I'm grading this on a curve. And not in a way that, like, back in the 2008 election, everyone's like, wow, Sarah Palin didn't light on fire in the middle of the debate against Joe Biden. Therefore, it's technically a draw. It's like, no, 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 no. We're going to grade these things to a very similar scale to a regular beer. That being said, I think that's one of the very strong things about Holla Daily, and this beer is no exception, that so long as I'm not looking at this, I would honestly probably believe this was a beer. I mean, you know, like a beer in the traditional sense of the word. Water, hops, Marley, you know what I'm saying. Uh, so, I think... Water, hops, water, water, hops barley, mar, 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 Marley, and me. Marley and me, yeah. Dude, that'd be, Marley and mead. That'd be like the most cringy, milady, fedora tip and brewery of all time. Uh, but, no, I think... If I was struck with celiac tomorrow, and my doctor's like, Reese, no more beer, I think Holla Daily products would be enough to scratch the beer itch, and I wouldn't feel like I was, you know, eating carob instead of chocolate. I would feel like, you know, I'm eating Hershey's instead of Cadbury's, all things considered. And Hershey's is still good chocolate. So you know what? BDQ on this one. Big stonkin', the undisputed... Welterweight champion of gluten-free beers goes to Holla Daily and Fat Randy. 9.5 BDQ. Ooh, all right. Rounding it out with the ever-loving 9.5. Shout out to Holla Daily Brewing in Golden, Colorado. Pretty close to Coors, uh, but makes a way better beer. So congratulations to you. For those of you in the Denver area, you can catch it at any liquor store, um, as well as most liquor stores in Kansas City is what I've been seeing, actually, with when I was with Ree. So, yeah, check it out. Great beer. Great times. Uh, shall we round out the podcast now with some ungreat times? Absolutely. But can the Kansas City Chiefs quench their thirst for a number two wide receiver? As we alluded to, McCole Hardman does not look like he's going to step into that number two role, which is fine. Byron Pringle, as much as we really wanted to pop and never stop with him, he kind of had his chance this last game, and for the first time ever, he did not come through in the clutch for us. So that leaves very few options right now on a very thin wide receiver market. However... Recently reinstated Josh Gordon is planning on signing with the Kansas City Chiefs, reason being that he saw the Chiefs being a potential long-term landing spot. At age 30, he is not over the hill, but his best years may be behind him. Armando, how excited are you for the pickup of Josh Gordon? 
All right. Well, why don't we play a little game? Actually, I'm going to I'm going to throw it back at you. This was actually a perfect time to measure how good Josh Gordon can be on this team based on what we just saw with the Chargers. So like I said, Mike Williams, I think, is a very underrated wide receiver. So Mike Williams is not the standard for like the top number two wide receiver on his team. But Reese, who would you rather have, Mike Williams or McCole Hardman? Mike Williams. Okay. Let's 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 go to the Rams. Uh, right now, Cooper Cup kind of looks like wide receiver one, but he's normally wide receiver two to Robert Woods. Robert Robert Woods or McCole Hardman? Probably Robert Woods. Right, Cooper Cup, McCole Hardman. Oh, Cooper Cup right now. Cooper Cup's balling out. All right. Why don't we do a couple more? Let's uh, let's let's do the Bucks. Okay, uh, Mike, Evans, Mike Evans, obviously number one. Uh, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Or McCole Hardman. Antonio Brown or McCole Hardman. Oh, that's hard. Uh, no, no, it's not. Antonio Brown. <laughs> okay, so we're ready on wide receiver three of the Super Bowl champions. Okay, let's do one more, Reese. Seattle Seahawks. Okay, DK Madcalf is number one on his team. Tyler Lockett or McCole Hardman? Tyler Lockett, because Tyler Lockett's the best receiver okay. on that team. I know. Okay, that's right. You don't <laughs> like DK Metcalf. Never mind. That was a bad comparison. DK. Uh, <laughs> ooh, what if DK Metcalf or McCole Hardman? Um. Oh God! Don't Reese. Don't hey, go there. I'm, Please I'm don't tell him McCole Hardman here. over DK Metcalf. Don't do this to us, Reese. I'm not going to open up this book of why I think DK Metcalf's overrated. I just think McCole Hardman fits our system better. Oh, God, I hate you, Reese. Okay, no, I don't hate you, Reese. Um, okay, all to be said, McCole Hardman ain't it. He ain't it, okay? Now, is Josh Gordon it? Probably not. He's, he's, he's probably not going to be a Robert Woods. He's not going to be a Tyler Lockett. He's not going to be a Chris Godwin. But is is he the best thing that we have so far as a wide receiver too? Absolutely. Okay, so what I predict what we see from Josh Gordon is Josh Gordon is going to have one or two plays a game. That is going to be spectacular. And he might even get one touchdown a game. Just because we have so many options on that team, Josh Gordon, if we put him in the slot, I mean, if we put him in the slot and he's just gunning it, like... This can be a huge addition to the Chiefs because he has big playability and because of all the weapons that we have on that team. I mean, look at Jody Fortson. Hopefully, Jody Fortson keeps a spot on this team if if Josh Gordon comes in because someone has to leave. Hopefully, actually, it's Marcus Kemp. But anyway, um, I digress. Um, but anyway, because we have so many people on this offense that are highlighting this offense, it would be very easy for Josh Gordon to not even have to be this like, you know, seven targets a game, eight targets a game wide receiver. Just four, just three or four targets a game where they're explosive plays, which is in the realm of possibility and I think will happen. Kind of like what we're seeing in Tampa Bay with Antonio Brown, right? Antonio Brown's just there, but he's playing extremely well when he is in the game. He's not the person that they're targeting 12, 
15 times a game, but they target him five and six times and he's really productive in those five and six targets. So I am predicting that is what's going to happen with with Josh Gordon, which will then elevate him to be the wide receiver too. It's not like McColl's getting you know, 10 targets a game. He's only getting, you know, five at best. So we put those for Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon has way more explosiveness than him. I think it's great. I hope he can stay on the field. I'm fingers are crossed that he can stay on the field because if he can, um, this, this may be game over. Nah, it's probably not game over because our defense still sucks, but um, it would definitely solidify us best offense in the NFL. You know, I think this is either going to go one of two ways for us. I would like for it to go the way of Arizona Cardinals Act 3 Kurt Warner, where everyone's kind of like, oh, he's at that point where he's over the hill. His best years are behind him in St. Louis. You know, he might, might be able to tread water for us. or like, we'll kick the tires. Ah, yeah, Kurt Warner took him to a Super Bowl. Probably should have won another Super Bowl and uh, took him to the playoffs another couple times after that. So, you know, I would really love for Josh Gordon's situation to be just like that. However... My gut and the recency bias in my head says this is a little bit more like something we've seen in the past recently. I'm talking the Le'Veon Bell signing of last year, the Shady McCoy-Frank Gore signing of the year before, where it's like, hey, is there any tread left on these tires? Oh, wait, they just sold me a hubcap. So I, dude, I don't know. He's played, what is it, like five snaps in the last three years or so, like five games in the last three years or something? <laughs> Yeah, probably. And I mean, you know, they don't even test for what he was banned for anymore. Right. So, which is very encouraging. It is very encouraging. It's like so at worst what do you say like he's a character issue that he can't stay off of that when it matters. So it's like okay, the thing he can't stay off of is now, you know, no longer banned by the league, so that hopefully is the only issue, right? I mean, th- <laughs> The sample size that we are hoping for from Josh Gordon was in 2013. <laughs> like, Josh Gordon was a pro bowler and had an amazing year in 2013, and that's it. That was like rookie year, so, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's explosive, explosive. But if we are hoping for a 2013 Josh Gordon, I don't think that's going to happen. But again, like... Josh Gordon. All right. You're, you're, you're correct. You're correct. But... You know, as long as he's in shape, he's still fast. He's probably still one of the faster players on our team when he comes on the team. Um, yeah, and, and that's actually a big, uh, a big point that you brought up. Um, they do not test for what he is known for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's actually pretty encouraging for this team because every time that he has been kicked off a team is because of his illegal substance abuse, which is now no, no longer, even though it's illegal substance, I think, in the NFLPA, um, it's not something that they test for anymore or that they suspend for. So I think it's encouraging, and I think this is even better than a Le'Veon Bell or a Terrell Suggs. This is actually someone that can contribute to the team and can do it when he is ready. He's still on the practice squad, so they're still going to like bring him up to game speed. But this is someone that I think could could be incredibly. I mean, oof. Hot take, Mondo's here. You know, oh, screw gosh. it. I'm, you know, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. Okay, so we're we're one and two. We have nothing to lose. Hot take, Mondo. When Josh Gordon plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, if he plays until the end of the year, he will be more productive than Sammy Watkins was in the 2020 season when we won the Super Bowl. Ooh, that, that's a I'm vintage saying it here. hot take right there. It's like 
That's a very bold statement. Saying it here. Statement. He will have, by by the end of the season, whenever the end of the season is for us, we will put their numbers up together and see who had the better season. Is there a quanti- like a quantifiable way to judge what a hot take is? Is it something that like sounds far-fetched, but if you ask him, would you put money against that, they would put money on it? You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah, this is probably more on the warmer side because I would put money on this. But hot takes usually you don't put money on it. They're they're that outrageous that you would never be a put a hot take so on it or put a bet so on it. So it's like if I sat down, I said Armando, I can eat four hot dogs in two minutes. You're like that's crazy. I'm like, you want to bet me five bucks? I can't eat four hot dogs in five minutes. You go, uh, no. So that's hot take, right? I bet you can eat four hot dogs. Yeah, but, but you get in what I'm five saying, minutes. right? Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Well, no, it's, so that's, here's the thing. First off, I need you to put some respect on Kansas City Chiefs legend T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, because he was a big part in winning that Super Bowl, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know. But, but he was also towards towards the end. Like, like we, we got him in, what, week 15, 16? Something like that, like in the waiver order right before the Ravens, and they were so mad about it. That's hilarious. Yeah, I guess I yeah, that was actually pretty funny. But I, I guess I take it back in the sense that if he starts playing week four, week five, oh, no, then no, no, he's no. obviously gonna be way more of a factor than Terrell Suggs was. You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. Plus, you know, again, Terrell Suggs was legit in his last year, Twilight. Gordon Yeah, Josh Gordon's thirty. Yeah, I, I saw some footage of him with the Patriots. I think his speed is gone. Like he's not elite fast anymore. Uh, but the big thing Fine. is... Fine. We have Tyreek Hill. Exactly. And, you know, ask Travis Kelsey, does being elite fast matter? No. Can you get open? Yes. Okay, then. We just need you to get open. I mean, he's a big body. It's almost like yeah. he's going to be... And, and, What's up? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish your finish your take. It's I'm almost sorry. like he's going to be like a, a slightly smaller Darren Waller, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I was, I was going to bounce on your point there. So, like, what we saw yesterday from the Chargers... Keenan Allen is not fast. Mike Williams is not fast. But both of them in space one on one will beat any of our any of our our uh, cornerbacks because they're so lanky, they're so tall, they're so explosive, and they can catch a ball with like way in the air, which is what we kind of don't have on this offense, right? We have it in Travis Kelsey, but we don't have it um, in Tyreek Hill. We don't have it in McCole Harmon. We don't have it in Pringle. We kind of have it sometimes with Demarcus Robinson, but very. F- Few and far in between. We're kind of seeing with Jody Fortson, which will be kind of exciting. But Josh Gordon is that guy that can be matched up one-on-one, just like what just happened to us, Justin Herbert, in in the fourth quarter. He's like, you know what? Mike Williams is massive. I can just one-on-one him for the next two plays and win this game. That's something that I feel like Josh Gordon can do for us. You know what? Because that's something that Tyreek can't do. Like, like, like. I really can't put Tyreek one on one like a like a DeAndre Hopkins, like a DK Madcalf, like a Mike Williams. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like that because that again another another tool in the shed for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I agree. You know, Tyreek Hill has elite ball tracking skills, especially for someone his size. But like, you can't throw a fade route to five ten. You just can't. You know. Yeah. Nope. Unless it's like literally 20 yards down the field and, and he'll beat the other person the drag route. You know, I, I want to put this little bug in your ear. This is what somebody at uh, my job uh, kind of pitched to me today, which I thought was a really interesting take. If you were Brett Veach, would you consider calling up the Chicago Bears and seeing what they want for Allen Robinson? Ooh. Considering the fact that he's on the franchise sure. tag this year. 
Sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I think I think that's very I, I bet Brett Veach has been talking to um, Chicago, especially what we saw last week, which both you and you and I are very upset about because Alan Robinson, I don't know if he's going to get any more points anymore. Damn Dude. it. I thought Justin Fields was was going to be the goat. And Justin Fields had 66 yards throwing, but had 67 yards like like um lost because of all the sacks that he oh, had dog. so he actually had negative one yards thrown didn't he throw it like six <laughs> times or something like that as well yeah i mean it was something really oh. sad i felt i feel really bad for him and i kind of i don't feel bad for matt Nagy. i just feel bad because he was a former chiefs guy but but anyway all all to say i don't know if that bears team is going anywhere this mm-hmm. year and a rob you know wants to go somewhere and wants to win so i don't know why we wouldn't throw a couple i don't know Maybe we can get a two second rounders for him. Dude. I don't know if I would want a first. Would you want a first round no. for oh, him? Gosh, that no. might be too no, much. No, no, no. Especially when we have him over a fire and he's walking and we could get him in the in, you know the off season anyway. I would. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking two first rounders is fair. Maybe float like McCole Hardman and a third rounder or something for him. Ooh. But you know the big important thing to remember too is that as poor of a coach as he seems to be right now Matt Nagy's playbook is still the derivative of the Andy Reid playbook so it's not like he's gonna have to learn some sort of crazy different offense you know like even Josh Gordon's gonna have to do while he's in the practice squad so dude if you get Josh Gordon as your number three and Allen Robinson chunking along in there as your number oh, two, game over oh my goodness game over Allen Robinson is so good and I, I do feel bad for him because like we thought, and Justin Fields still might be the guy. I mean, who knows? But but Matt Nagy said yesterday uh, they had asked him who who is going to be the starter for next week, and he said Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and Nick Foles are all in contention to be the starter for next oh week. Gosh, <laughs> why? <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately, I think uh, Matt Nagy's days are uh, are kind of dwindling there. And hey, if no one takes them, we'll 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 take them back if uh, if Eric Bieniemy goes to USC or something. Dude, Eric Bieniemy to UFC, uh, Eric Bieniemy to USC over uh, Urban Meyer. Book it. Oh yeah, to- I mean, geez, uh, so embarrassing. But if he does go to USC, we'll have to get Hot Take Mon- Mondo Senior on here because I mean. USC will get a diamond in the freaking rough getting EB to go back to to coaching college football. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Well, to leave this episode on a high note, Armando, I know you've just been chomping at the bit to know the answer to this question. And yes, Jalen Hurts did just about cover his point spread, and I am now up 20 points in fantasy football. So my worry was all for nothing. And before we end this podcast, I don't want to open up another can of worms, but uh, um, CEH did answer your what do I do here. It's great. CEH, Andy Reid, they all listen to our podcast and CEH, good job this week. Uh, even though, even, even with the fumble, um, there was hope. There was hope. content including outtakes bonus episodes and exclusive beer reviews check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast social media and of course
course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 